Hello and welcome to a series of podcasts in which we discuss everything early childhood from a point of wonder, curiosity and inquiry. Everything that matters for a child's future success is shaped by their earliest experiences. These podcasts will guide you through how you, as a teacher, can make those experiences matter. We explore the processes that have guided educators in understanding children's learning and provide real-world examples of educators who are empowering children to be an active participant in shaping their own future outcomes. My name is Tony Byrne and I'm a lecturer in early childhood at Charles Darwin University, located on beautiful Larrakee country in the top end of Australia. Today I'll be talking with Renee Mitchell and Caitlin Johnson from Good Start Red Hill, located in Brisbane, Tarrable country. Our conversation today focuses on how the team of educators are supporting children's sense of agency and citizenship. Welcome, Renee and Caitlin. Thank you for having us today. Thanks, Tony. Good to be here. Um, so I'm really curious about your practice at Good Start Red Hill. But one of the things that I've been really curious about um, at Red Hill is your Children's Council. But before we get started about talking about Children's Council, can you tell me a little bit about Good Start Red Hill? Sure. Um, Good Start Red Hill is located on tourable land in Brisbane. So we're only 10 minutes from the city and we back onto a really beautiful lush green creek. So we're part of a lovely community of working families. So our demographic is generally both parents working. Um, we take 53 children a day, so children start with us in the toddler room and will generally stay with us for three years as they move through to kindergarten and then head off to school. We're particularly lucky to have a really passionate team of professional educators um, who really value children's voice and children's rights. Um, we run a really play-based program which also has a very deep underlying social and emotional curriculum. So for us, we provide a really rich place for children to practice those skills that they need for life, to regulate their emotions when things go well or not so well, and to negotiate with others. So, um, you know, while we deliver a very play-based program, there's all of those under um, underlying themes of working with other people. Hmm. I think Renee's being really modest too because Renee's been here for nearly 20 years at Good Start Red Hill um, and the team we have is a team that wants to be here and, and stays here. Um, our families stay which is really lovely um, and the professional knowledge that we have in all of the classrooms means that the work is really focused and um, really engaging that the priority for our staff is to be with the children um, and that the, the rhythm of the day is really slow. Well, let's talk about then, because you mentioned in, in there around, um, you know, children's social emotional wellbeing and their ability to work with others. And I guess that's something that we, we do in our everyday, um, whether we're um, doing that, you know, engaging with each other in terms of our families, and then obviously for children coming into the um, children's centre and for us adults, it's about, you know, coming into our, our work environments or our, you know, sort of broader community settings. Um, but it is a skill, isn't it, around interaction uh, and learning to be able to work as a team together, which leads me to the Children's Council, which I'm fascinated by the Children's Council um, and I want to know all about it. So let's begin with how did it all start? Um, I think the idea of our Children's Council was born late last year. Um, we had been engaging in an action research project where we were looking at developing a model of leadership which empowered the team to deliver a cycle of continuous improvement. And through the process of that action research project, we were looking at the workflow. And so we were looking at it starting with our centre leadership team um, and then we were looking at taking it to our pedagogy team and then to room-based meetings and for critical reflection. But we realised that we were missing a really important voice in there. And 
we decided to inject the Children's Council between the level of the pedagogy meeting and the room-based meeting. So after having our meetings with our leaders, we would take the topics that we were talking about to the children to get their ideas and thoughts and opinions. And we really haven't looked back. It's been a really rich experience for us. Um, and, you know, we're definitely learning a lot as we go along, which really fits in our philosophy of teachers as co-learners. So, so I guess what I'm hearing is as you were going through this process of, you know, your continuous improvement, questioning the whys and the hows of what we do through critical reflection, what you discovered through that process was that there was a, a missing voice and that was the voice of the child. Yeah. Uh, and deciding that that was a really important part of the process is to, to, for children to be heard um, and that their voices, what they have to say, uh, is important and, and valued. How does that sit with then your own values and beliefs as a team and how you see children? I think that we have worked really hard as a team to constantly evolve our view of the children, our image of the child. Um, our toddler room, for example, is very Rye-based, so um, resources for infant educators. Um, our educators always take a step back and let the children lead their play, lead their day, um, and educators also don't engage in um, correcting conflict unless we need to get to that point. Children really lead the way. And from this young age of 15 months, we find that it's so deeply embedded into the kindergarten room that children are key parts of every, every moment during the day. Our kindergarten room starts the day with a play plan where the children are responsible for choosing the flow of the day, the experiences that will be set up, the provocations to inspire. Um, and the team wouldn't without the team that we have we wouldn't be able to function this way with children as as natural leaders in our rooms so the team it sounds like it's it's a really cohesive team and it sounds like what has kind of meshed that team together is is your ongoing the ongoing process of critical reflection and and that's been a really way of of leading what is it that um, you know, how do how do we want our our setting to look like? You know, what what are the values and beliefs of that? And and I guess that's where it fits in really nicely with um, your image of the child. You know, and what I was hearing is that you see children as being very capable of understanding what they need, being very capable of understanding, you know, what what they want to know about. For example, making a plan for the day. I'm really interested in this. Can we? have these learning experiences out today. Uh, and then what educators' job uh, or role is, is around how to facilitate that, how to support children to lead. Definitely. We are we are not even as important as the children in the room. Um, definitely the focus is on how the children lead and we're just along for the ride, which def <laughs> definitely um, doesn't do us justice. But we we definitely function cohesively between team members and also with the children. Um, there's a flow through every single room, through the playground, um, where the children are decisive leaders from the minute they arrive in the morning with the setup of the playground and the internal and external designs, um, all the way until the end of the day where the children decide where we're going to finish up for the day, um, how we join together, how we come together, um, the groupings with siblings or um, same age groups it just co is cohesive all through the day that children have a voice a loud voice and they take a leadership role and a responsibility role of their learning and play I think generally we're just such a collaborative community that you know we really want to be doing things with children and with each other so you know critical reflection is so deeply embedded to inform all of the decisions that we make and, you know, it's been really lovely to involve the children in that process as well, because we do view them as capable and competent and their voice is really important. 
when I was listening to you speak, Caitlin, and about um, your approach to pedagogy and this very child-led approach and what our role is is in within that is one of the things that I love about early childhood. You know, it's it's this sort of notion that our days unfold with children in collaboration with children, opposed from you know those more sort of the way I frame it is those traditional styles of I make the decisions about what the curriculum needs to be and I'm the teacher teaching children. Um, but here we are together. And, and I love the word, um, Renee, community. You know, we're a community. We, we come together. Uh, and it is about the children, the children at the heart of what we do. Uh, and we trust children's abilities to lead us through that. And it's, it's just such a dynamic kind of sector to work in or Red Hill mm-hmm. is such a dynamic bubble, you know, to have been here for 19 years, um, no two years are ever the same. And it's just, you know, through that process of continually reflecting on why we've been doing it this way and what other ways can we do it, it keeps it so interesting. And, um, you know, this year is no exception with the introduction of the Children's Council. So let's talk about a bit more now. Let's go, let's sort of do a deep dive into it. How does it work? You know, what happens? How often? How does it work? We're definitely still in our fledgling stage. Um, We've started this year. I've only started at Red Hill this year, and um, it's definitely something that I've been so proud of, the, the beginning of the Children's Council. We definitely want to continue to reflect on how it's happening, um, but so far in its baby stages, Uh, We find a quiet pocket of time, generally after the team has reflected, the pedagogy team has reflected and the leadership team has reflected. And then we we know by that point it's time to introduce children's voices. This is a really kind of fun experience. Um, Renee will often say, it's quite quiet. Should we get the children out for a cup of tea? Um, and we prepare the teapot because we do everything at Red Hill with tea. It's, it's definitely, it's how we hire people at the beginning. Uh, we sit down and have a cup of tea, um, and we start each day with children with a cup of tea. So obviously it makes sense that our children's council should, um, revolve around a, a nice warm teacup in, in winter or, um, an iced tea in, in summer. Um, but we, we have a multi-age children's council, which means that while we, Um, often have a majority of the three to five age children from the kindergarten room. Uh, We often try to include younger voices as well. Our pre-kindergarten room is uh, two to three or even two to four sometimes. And hopefully long-term by the end of the year, we'd love to include some toddler voices as well. So that's 15 months to three. Um, We call out a small group of children. We have discovered through trial and error that uh, three children is best for a conversation. But sometimes when you go to gather the children, there's so much interest and enthusiasm that we either have to do a big group at our children's council or we repeat the children's council three or four times to make sure that we have enough voices and um, because it's become such an event. We don't want to exclude anyone from the joy of the experience. Um, So we sit down together with a cup of tea um, recently and hopefully we'll talk to you a bit more about that later we've been discussing about how we can add to our community um, through a child protection grant so we dragged out all of our staff room furniture out of the center across the road next to the creek and we've had our children's council out there by the creek on some lounge furniture often we do it um, just in our foyer we have a table together together anywhere where there's space and quiet is enough to sit down together as a group and have those moments. Um, We have very clear roles. Renee is often our documenter, our pedagogist, um, and is often kind of quiet observer um, there to document. And I take, um, I suppose, more of a vocal role where I might pose some questions to begin with, but not even I can keep the conversation (laughs) from going where the children are going to take it, we find. Guild at the sustained shared um, thinking space. So, you know, she will often guide children to think more deeply about um, the topic at hand. So let's talk about then. So just just so I'm clear, the topics emerge from um, what uh, the pedagogy um, team have been reflecting on, um, the leadership team have been reflecting on. So it's part of that I guess, process uh, of then 
providing that opportunity for the children to engage in conversations about the same topics that you're um, reflecting on? Generally, it's things that impact the children very clearly as well. We were um, we had a devastating time with the floods earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. And when we came to the Children's Council, that was something that was very clear that the children needed to talk about and needed to have that space to discuss um, how we were going to rebuild our playgrounds, um, how we were going to make changes to the space. Um, and also in our development of the Sea of Hearts, they could see that that event beginning and that was the perfect time for them to raise their voices um, and to have a say in in these big events that they can practically see happening around them. What fascinates me, the ability to include children in those bigger conversations that need to be had. You know, it, it, often they're conversations that us as adults have and we might make assumptions what it means to children, but we're actually giving children the opportunity to have those bigger conversations. So can we talk about the... Um, the, the, the Children's Council that centred around Sorry Day. Um, can you tell me about what the intentions of that council was about? Um, the Sorry Day meeting was held during National Reconciliation Week and as huge advocates for reconciliation, we like to involve our children and families in the projects that we're we're working on to deepen our own knowledge um, and practices in this space. So um, the Children's Council for Sorry Day, we had a few prompting questions which were along the lines of, um, you know, what does sorry mean? And, you know, just letting children really take in the question and recording their very honest voices, which often their ideas are quite profound and it brings me great joy to be able to, you know, then take their voice and share it with our community because I think it really supports families to come on board with the idea that children are capable Mm. because it's very simple words with very deep meaning. Mm. Um, As, you know, we engage the children in creating a sea of hearts Um, and we're able to immerse in the experience of going out to the back of our service where along the creek we had planted hundreds of hearts created over multiple years now um, where the children will walk walk around and see how everybody's contributing their ideas of what reconciliation means and what sorry means. and it was following their immersion in the Sea of Hearts that they were able to come out and have some focused time to talk a little bit about their ideas. Mm. So it's engaging children in those, I guess, and this is where it, there's a few themes that pop up for me is one, children having the right to have a say about, you know, issues that affect them. Um, and two, that notion of citizenship. You know, and, and this is how we are as a, as a community here at Red Hill, the things that are really important to us. And Renee, you just mentioned there and I could see um, it was actually quite touching for you and I could see that there was an emotion that was associated with the, the insights of children of when you started to explore and engage in, you know, scaffold those conversations and in, use your, your strategies around sustained shared thinking to really, you know, get children to express their ideas um, and also their their feelings and emotions. I just want to read out um, something that I did get off your Facebook um, about what children's responses were, because I I I I've you know as a, as an educator myself spent some time really thinking about this and and the depth um, of just these statements. Um, so it says today we met for children's council meeting. Wondering what sorry means. Sorry means that you never do it again. And that was from Lola. Sorry means that you're actually sorry. That was Azalea. Sorry means that in your lifetime, you'll try to remember this promise. That was Rafferty. Sorry means that you're really, really sorry and and that you hope that they are okay and you ask if they're okay. And that was Maddie. Sorry means that you're thinking about the people now and it's a big feeling. And so when I read that, it just challenges all those notions about children. You know, I mean, the empathy that jumps out there, you know, and just the key messages that 
I think these voices need to be heard by adults who really struggle struggle with the notions of, of sorry and what sorry means. And, you know, I can I can hear my educators' voices coming out of the children's mouths as well because we're so consistent in our emotion coaching with children that, you know, coming to them to talk about these ideas of emotions, um, you know, it's just very interesting to hear their responses. But they're very genuine as, you know, as well. And in, and in the bigger picture for me, um, what it comes, I mean, for me, the big thing is it's it's the hope that when we engage in these practices in early childhood and we, we really, you know, laying those really strong foundations and of respect for children's rights and respect for voices and citizenship, that that these are the children, um, you know, and as they, they move through their own lives, that these are sorts of the, the sorts of values and beliefs that are embedded early um, and in collaboration with families, as you said before. So for me, that's hope, isn't it? You know, that we're, we're going to have some children that are going to be really, really ready to deal with some of the bigger issues that we have, particularly, and I know you guys were hit hard um, in the floods around, you know, climate change, for example. Tell everybody about your last Children's Council uh, and what that was about. There was a big lead up to this meeting. It was a bit coincidental. Um, but a lot of the work that we've done in the last month was to create this beautiful piece of collaborative artwork around child protection, which is something that we're so passionate about here. And this is the second year in a row that we've um, been granted a, a grant um, for Child Protection Week. Um, this year, we're hoping to embed some sandstone stones just outside of our centre where we meet, um, where we display our sea of hearts and where we often have picnics with the children. And over the course of a month, we've spoken to every single kindergarten child about how they think that they could improve the community, what makes them feel safe and what makes them feel happy. And we've created this beautiful collaborative art piece that now sits in our foyer. Um, and the, the answers were just so touching. Um, the children were concerned that there weren't enough places to sleep or enough places for everyone to eat. They wanted to create cafes where everyone could come and eat for free, tree houses with enough beds for everyone, more places to sit, more greenery, more parks. Um, and it was it was just so lovely to see. So um, Renee had invited our local councilman and we'd, we'd actually talk, spoken about the process of um, councils and, and citizenship and responsibility. And um, so the lovely Peter was here to um, give Renee some money towards Scout's therapy dog training. Um, and in that particular occasion, we had eight children who were just desperate to come out and meet with a real councilman um, to have those conversations with other adults who valued, um, valued their work um, and their voices. Uh, so we had eight children and a lot of tea and by the time you know we'd all sat down and and poured out tea for everyone uh, the energy was very high mm-hmm. uh, it was maybe not one of our most successful children's councils we have definitely decided that three is is best for um sustained conversation um but the enthusiasm was so so infectious and everyone wanted to talk about their wonderful ideas of how they could make the community better um, and Peter, bless his heart, listened so quietly and patiently to every single idea. Um, and it, it's so wonderful to engage with other adults who feel so passionate about children's voices because mm. he took every single idea so seriously. Chocolate Lake, wonderful, let's do it. Um, <laughs> houses and schools made of candy, wonderful, let's organise it. Um, but there was there were some actual definite benefits to meeting with a councilman because after this um, meeting with him and asking about what we could do better for the community, he's actually promised us some Hessian bags and potentially some more bins along the path where we do our wonders, um, which was so exciting for the children because not only do their voices make an impact within our centre, we can also hopefully have a, a bigger impact in the in the general wider community, um, which is just so fantastic for hands-on learning about citizenship and responsibility um, and it means that we don't have to take plastic bags on our wonders anymore. It'll be a more permanent solution. Um, but to have that experience of 
beginning with an artistic project, beginning with one single kindergarten child and building and building and building until we've got the voice of our entire room and now having the impact um, on a community is just something very special and something very rewarding. So some of it, some of it, even though it, these topics come, I guess, are, are initiated from the community of Red Hill in terms of the, the um, you know, the questions that you're asking your, pedagogy, your, your pedagogical leaders about and the group of educators about in terms of reflection. Along the way, I guess what I'm hearing, Caitlin, is this other kind of these other projects emerge out of it. So, you know, the children meet in a slightly larger group than you normally have. And, and I, I could just imagine when you were saying that children coming up with the most child. I mean, and that's what you love about children, isn't it? Children will always come up with great ideas. You know, let's have a chocolate lake. What, how much fun would that be, a chocolate lake? Um, but in that, there was some other good ideas, as you said, you know, we need some more bins. Um, and so out of that comes uh, opportunities for extending learning. So can you tell me about um, how those projects then are taken back um, and built upon and extended upon? Definitely. So because the majority of our children currently who attend the children's councils are the kindergarten children, um, they already have this wonderful sense of responsibility over the rest of with the rest of the centre, I suppose. Um, our kindergarten children have a lot of siblings in the younger rooms. Um, so there's that lovely support through connections with families at home, um, with their siblings, with their younger children in general. Um, and so, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's okay. So we might we might just put the we might just let everybody know. Caitlin and Renee are at at their children's centre. So um, there's a bit of noise happening in the background um, as we expected, but this is the real life stuff. So we'll just keep going, keep going, Caitlin. Yes. And so they have this sense of responsibility that they want to impart and um, kind of a upward step to leave at Red Hill. Every year we try and create a wonderful project that has some roots that can be left behind um, for following years. Um, and so this year, this work that they've created around um, the rights of children, the responsibility of community, um, and also Child Protection Week, and also the idea of child protection. Um, this has been a long sustained project for about a month and a half now. And um, the kindergarten team have continued this work still by going out on wanders, creating finding sticks and bark and um, leaves. And they're actually creating one of the tree houses that the children designed in the original tree house, what the community needs project. And they're putting it on the wall to continue this learning because we believe that it's so important that Child Protection Week is acknowledged and that um, responsibility and safety is, is paramount at all times. Um, so this learning is still happening months after the original learning occurred, um, months after the original Children's Council occurred. Um, it's directed by the children. The children are still fascinated by it and we're going to continue to embed this learning for as long as possible. It doesn't just stop with this particular project either. We find that um, a lot of, because the conversations are so deep at the Children's Council, the children often return to their rooms so full of ideas and they often mm. continue to think and discuss these ideas. A lot of this happened around the floods. We printed off a lot of the pictures of the, the flooding and how our centre was impacted um, and the children decided that they actually needed to take these pictures back to the classroom to show everyone and these conversations happened um, for a few days and weeks afterwards because of the the deep guided thinking, I suppose, that happened um, with small group collaboration with children um, and a little bit of direction and guidance from from older people. Um, it it just continued these conversations and I could see that the children were, were looking at things in a different way and that was impacting on their play um, weeks beyond the, the original conversations. And is that... Um just listening to you then, Caitlin, a few things popped up for me is that I'm imagining in terms of the floods that um, because, you know, the centre was affected directly, You, I mean, you were flooded. Yeah. Luckily, it didn't 
get inside our centre, but um, mm-hmm. our playgrounds that have just been fixed mm-hmm. and beautified um, were unfortunately completely ruined and we were stuck in a very small space for a while without our playgrounds. But um, more ch- more opportunities for children's councils and they, they had a bit of a voice in, in recreating our playground design and, and changing some things over. And, and so was it also a space there for children who perhaps were also affected directly, um, children who live close by, who um, perhaps were flooded, like their homes were flooded? So a place for children to, um, I guess, feel empowered to talk about perhaps what that was like. But then the next step is, so what can we do about it? And Definitely. Definitely. It was a space to to work through those emotions mm-hmm. and then to have a practical response and, and to mm. feel like they had a role in the practical response because, of course, big events like the flood take mm. away a lot of power um, mm. and being stuck in a tiny little playground with the entire centre takes away a lot of power and joy. And so to have that opportunity to have a voice in, in creating positive change um, is it, it helps to build children back up and hopefully that's a lesson that they'll continue having their entire life that things mm. will happen that they can process that in a healthy way but then they have a voice and and power to change things and it it's really strongly linked with problem solving uh, there's a few things isn't there in terms of children's learning it's promoting children to be active in 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 solving some some problems that are directly impacting them, but to also understand these are problems that are shared by all of us, you know, collectively in terms of um, what we're seeing now in terms of um, living with climate change. And then um, how they go about, um, you know, I guess activating some of their ideas in terms of their learning. And you said that it's continued to go on. Um, what sorts of things are you, I mean, what are their ideas in terms of, you know, what if the floods come again? What will we do? Are they, tell me about that. What are their ideas? Well, obviously, we can't enact every single idea, although the mm. candy and the uh, the free coffee shops would be wonderful. Um, but in terms of the floods, they had quite practical ideas. Um, mm-hmm. With the aftermath, we we go on wanders quite frequently. We leave the centre um, and walk around our local community. And so the first step was to clean the rubbish in the creeks. Um, some of it actually came from our centre mm. just because everything got washed away and so the children mm. felt so responsible. Um, and community mm. groups that also made great headway cleaning up a lot of the resulting damage and to be able to see other community members getting out there and making a difference has really inspired their own action which we're very excited to have some um, additional bags from the councilman because we've been taking rubbish bags with us every time we go out for a wander and the kindergarten children will not let you ever forget <laughs> goodness forget um god forbid if you walk out of the center without a rubbish bag when you're about to go on a wander um but definitely the conversations really focused on climate change and um, how the rest of Australia was impacted by by mm. the flooding. Um, there were conversations with the staff and the team about what it meant to be a part of a community and to how our community worked together to rebuild. And the children really completely independently had those same kind of conversations with each other about community and coming together and being stronger, um, which... I mean, we're all human, right? It, it mm. was really, really touching to see that those same conversations that we were having as adults were also playing out with children, that their first step in a practical response was to come together strongly as a community to focus on that community and, and build up our, our sense of community. Sometimes what we really love doing is being able to eavesdrop on children's conversations. (laughs) Um, You know, following these meetings, it's really interesting to hear the ideas come out in children's play. And, you know, we're very respectful of children's right to play and of not always interrupting them. You know, often we'll sit off to the side and just try and tune into what's going on, which is always a really interesting space to work in. So how are children in terms of um, 
you know, obviously engaging lots of discussions and we've talked about the projects um, that evolve out of that and the ongoing, you know, what you're seeing is children taking responsibility, fe feeling empowered to be able to do something to create change, not just in their, um, their community at the centre, but also in the, the surrounding community in which they live. I guess I'm interested to know in terms of when you just said, Renee, then um, how it surfaces in play and, and what does that look like? I feel like Caitlin's probably the master observer of play because not enough happens in the office. <laughs> uh, definitely following the floods, we saw a lot of reenacting of um, tiny baby animals needing to be pulled up onto the obstacle equipment. Um, there was lots of rebuilding. Uh, one of our fences actually got washed away and we were open to the open to nature for a little bit. Um, obviously that was fixed before the children returned to the playground. Um, but we actually had some children rebuilding the fence, um, lots of hammering and, and um, pretending to use equipment to build our space back up. But, Did they fix it with sticky tape? <laughs> oh yes, we, we also had some sticky tape. Um, <laughs> we just see, we see the children take those conversations so deeply and come across um, lots of conversations about the Aboriginal people following our sorry day conversations and um, our sea of hearts. Uh, we had some practical change come across where the children actually wanted to change our current um, acknowledgement of country instead of um, thanking the terrible people for sharing their land. We, we decided that we wanted to change the words to say for caring for turbal land because it's their land and we should acknowledge that more. Um, mm -hmm. But lots of play about how Aboriginal communities might have lived, um, following those sea of hearts moments. Um, lots of play around our, our creek and the wonders that we, we go on and, and reenacting going outside the centre, um, wearing vests, and pretending to go on on walks and and seeing the surroundings um there's also been lots of play because our children's council um convened to talk about scout our our therapy dog and training um lots of play around scout and what that might look like we we had conversations about um whether the children would be scared of scout because you know not everyone is a dog fan even mm. though the majority of us are and dogs mm. are obviously much larger when you're a smaller person so we had those conversations about would you be scared if Scout was there? What what would Scout's behaviour, what what behaviour could Scout display that would scare you? Um, and so we could see the children reenacting a lot of that, um, pretending to be Renee with Scout, pretending to be Scout himself, um, kind of working through that through their play, which was which is which is really um, I guess can be framed as schema play. Um, and also, um, you know, meaning making, you know, when we see children acting out, um, you know, recreating their thoughts and ideas, it's how children are processing information, making sense of the world around them. I, I guess I, one of the things I, I see on your Facebook um, is, is the, the big uh, embedding of children's literacy. So we've talked a lot about children's voices being, I guess, in oral voices, you know, they're speaking, they're telling us. I see a lot of that documentation in terms of um, children's voices um, through a variety of different mediums. Can, can we talk a little bit about that? We're very blessed with kindergarten children that are often here for two years um, because we, we value not rushing early childhood. Um, mm -hmm. We value play-based learning. Mm -hmm. Obviously, eventually everyone will go to school, but to, to continue that play-based learning for as long as possible. So we have children who are five um, and that are capable of that um, extended gross, uh, fine motor skill to be able to write quite well. Mm -hmm. um, we, we provide opportunities to write whenever possible and to have their voices kind of immortalised on paper as well. We're definitely a paper centre. We try and stay away from technology whenever possible. Um, I like but, Yeah. <laughs> I like to call them my sign writing committee and, you know, I really love to showcase to families that children can leave us with the ability to paint these beautiful signs and to write, 
but that it happens in a really organic and play-based way. You know, yes, it celebrates the children's voice, but it also is a, an underlying advocacy piece for families to understand that while we're not rushing children into phonics programs, you know, this is something that small children can do and, you know, we empower them to do that. Um, children are always very keen to be involved. Last year's legacy project was um, the Red Hill Charter of Children's Rights, which the children have painted a number of statements on a large piece of camp for Laurel that's in our foyer. Um, and again, it's a piece for advocacy, but it's also a really loud voice to families that, you know, we are here to champion children's rights. And this is a community where there's active citizenship. And and along the way is all the learning that happens um, that, that just emerges out of having, uh, I guess, a focus on, on community, children's rights, citizenship, and, and what unfolds is, and I, I guess what you were saying there, um, Caitlin, is, you know, having the children who are five, who um, are showing an interest in wanting to express their ideas and thoughts in print. I mean, they're, they're really having that readiness to engage in that. And then championing that from Renee's perspective and saying, well, here's our team of sign writers. It's is it, is just such a different way of looking at supporting children's um, language and literacy learning um, in a very natural, meaningful way that has lots of downstream sort of effects um, for children in terms of their responsibility, feeling empowered that I've got something to say. So it all starts to come together quite nicely. Can I ask now about um, what, if, what do you see as the benefits to children from, from participating in Children's Council in terms of their learning uh, and, their, and their development? What would you say have been the benefits? I think for me, it was such a natural step of where we are as a centre and, and our values and philosophy as educators as well as our pedagogy. It has been beautiful and wonderful, but honestly, it should have been happening all along. You know, it, it's one of those things that everyone should be doing because it is so meaningful and, and it creates so much value for the children. Um, children feel so empowered. It doesn't need to happen just in a children's council for them to feel empowered and, and to feel valued and for their voices to feel heard. We make sure that we embed that right from 15 months, right from every child having the ability to have their voice heard. But I suppose having, having a specific space to, to showcase those voices means that it can be quite targeted um, so we can have some specific responses I suppose um, which helps us to to make change across our practice um, to make change in the bigger community I suppose by having our children's council as, as a fully realized space we we are able to to kind of have those voices heard in a stronger way than just by embedding it into practice every day. We, are, we create lasting legacy pieces. Um, we're able to share over Facebook the work that is created. I suppose that advocacy for how we'd love every centre to be involved in sharing children's voices, that, that, that's exciting for me. That And to be on this podcast today, to, to be sharing with lots of hopeful teachers that hopefully mm. their practice will also change and that their view of children as capable, competent co-learners will be evolved. And those really strong um, sense of values and beliefs that we bring with us uh, around the importance of that um, in terms of, um, you know, what the early childhood experience should look like. Um, and. You've certainly been um, an absolute inspiration to me and I've felt so excited about coming in and being able to really delve deep into, you know, the, the whys and the hows of your practice, but really understanding that what's been a valuable tool for you as a team is that commitment to the critical reflection, to, to always questioning why am I doing what, what why are we doing this, um, is really, really important to, to continue to go to the next steps. Which leads me to um, what are your what are your hopes and dreams for Children's Council for the future? Because you spoke about you know we're 
we're, we're, it's early stages for us. In terms of reflecting um, where you are now, where you've come from and, and where you are now and where you'd like to, to see this go, um, what do you think, it, what are your hopes and dreams? I think it would be so delightful to be in a space where the, the children can set the agenda. You know, mm. in the, the cycle that we're in at the moment, it is very much that our, our leadership team and our pedagogy team um, and our critical reflection sets the agenda. However, how amazing would it be for children to be wondering or wandering in the community and coming up with their own ideas that we can then bring to a children's council to unpack more deeply and perhaps put them in front of the right people to empower some change in the community in a, a grander scale. You know, we're very much able to empower children to influence our community inside our Red Hill bubble. And I think the next step is stepping outside our Red Hill bubble to have a bigger influence within our local community. I'd really like to see um, more voices heard. Currently, we do work with, you know, kind of two to five, um, but we start all the way from 15 months. So I'd love to see how we can really um, empower the voices that aren't voices yet um, to look at different ways to document, to be able to showcase the voices from our youngest learners and to really find a role for them in the Children's Council. I'm not sure what that will look like yet, um, but there's so much scope for Im improvement and um, so many exciting things happening. To have that view of even our youngest learners being capable of making change and being capable of, of sharing their thoughts, we've just got to kind of come up with the right vehicle to, to showcase them, I suppose. I think we need to, you know, continue building our own skills in the art of conversation because, you know, very much I've seen children's confidence and self-esteem grow in those small groups, particularly if the child is a little less confident. Um, but it also empowers really rich relationships. Um, Renee and Caitlin, is there anything that you, any key messages or words of wisdom and inspiration that you'd like to share um, with our pre-service teachers or, or anybody out there listening who is either in our wonderful sector of early childhood, thinking about coming in or is in the midst of, you know, their own learning and development. What are, what have you, what, are, what words of, of wisdom could you share? I think that the early childhood sector is changing for the better, but we need really passionate advocates for play, for viewing children as competent and co-learners, um, that your your attitude, your values and beliefs bleed into everything that you do and every interaction that you have with the children. So to have this positive image of the child, to be backed by knowledge and pedagogy and current research is the best way you can go about creating change and that hopefully you're here viewing early childhood as something so magical and important you have the biggest impact on how these children are going to turn out for the rest of their lives mm. so to be able to view them as these wonderful amazing beings is going to help their confidence grow and is is actually going to change their life mm. and and for those of you because you can't see i can see caitlin when she was speaking then, she's just so passionate. And I mean, everything about you, I just, the word that came to my mind was there was just such richness to you. Um, I feel so inspired and, and grateful to be able to, to speak today. Um, and Caitlin, to hear that from you then. Um, and I totally agree. I think, you know, where there are some massive changes happening um, for us in early childhood. Um, and certainly um, the educators in the team that's led by Renee at Good Start, uh, Red Hill, uh, are leading the way. Um, and, you know, in this podcast, certainly, um, you know, we can share it and hopefully um, inspire those um, to want to adopt some of your approaches and, and those really core values and beliefs that, um, that guide us in our practice. Which leads me to you, Renee. You've been there a really long time. Um, was it almost 20 years? My 19th year anniversary. But, you know, as I've mentioned, no two years are ever the same. 
I mean, I think my advice would be, you know, dream big and start small. Um, challenge the status quo. There's no need to keep doing things the same way that you've always done them because it's by doing things differently that you really come alive and feel really rewarded and engaged in the work that you're doing. It's true, isn't it? You know, I like that dream big, but start small because you do, you have to have a plan, don't you? And you have to keep going at that plan. And I'm I'm going to be really interested and I'm going to keep stalking your Facebook now that I've got my top fan badge. Um, and because I'll be interested to see how the Children's Council continues to evolve. Uh, anyone out there listening, go to Good Start Red Hill on Facebook and like them. I know they're having a, an open day where you can go and visit and, and play and share some of the good work that they're doing uh, in Brisbane. So if you're in the area, definitely um, make the time to, to go and, and have a look. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add, Renee or Caitlin? No, look, but thank you for the opportunity to share today. Um, you know, it's always a delight to show well, to be able to share with people that you can do things a little bit differently and that it actually gives you a lot of really warm, fuzzy feelings inside. So, mm. you know, I hope that others can get out there and do things that are going to bring them lots of professional joy. And I hope in the future that um, next time I'm in Brisbane, I will definitely make a time to come visit and I would love to go on a wander walk with the children. Uh, and if either of you are thinking about visiting the top end, please, um, you know, let us know. We'd, we'd love to we'd love to catch up with you in person. Um, thank you both um, for joining me today, and I look forward to an ongoing connection with both of you. Thank you very much, Tony. Thanks so much. You're welcome.